Well, we hope it's been a great Sunday for you, wherever you might be listening. This is The Nation. It's Chris Slow and Austin Price. Today coming to you from The Nation studios here in Knoxville, our trusty engineer, producer, do-it-all Jay Lyford here with us as well. Uh, you want the good or the bad? Let's, you want to talk about the good or the bad first, AP? Well, I'm a uh, glass kind of half-full guy, so I'm going right. with good. Kelly Harper's Lady Vols win in the first round of the NCAA tournament. A tie game at halftime against Middle Tennessee State. Just absolutely exploded. them in the second exploded half. Exploded in the second half. Almost scored 50 points in the second half. And it looked really good, uh, really efficient in the second half. So the Lady Vols moving on to the second round of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Uh, Tony Vitello's Baseball Vols today completing a series win over Georgia down at Foley Field in Athens. Could have easily been a sweep. Easily. One out away. One out away from uh, and, and a couple defensive hiccups there in that last inning. And if you just have one of those, you win that game. Um, really a tough-minded team. We hope to catch up with Tony later in this show as the Vols now on their way back from Athens to Knoxville. But winning today 4-1, to one, Blake Tedwell, a freshman, just a, a terrific pitching performance as he gets him into the eighth inning. And then Tennessee's bullpen comes in and shuts him down. That is Tennessee's first opening SEC win of a series since 2014. So that puts it in perspective. And I congratulate. That's really mind boggling when you yeah. think about yeah. it. I mean, really mind boggling. It really is. <laughs> so the first time they have opened they SEC. They could win play, a Friday game. First time they have opened an SEC, uh, SEC play and that they have won the series since 2014. And I think that came against Missouri in 2014. Uh, and our congratulations to Tony Vitello as he earns on Friday his 100th career win. Today, 101. Fastest to do it. Fastest ever for a Tennessee baseball coach as he really has that program uh, on the rise. They're in the top ten. They've got LSU coming. It's too bad we're in the COVID climate because, boy, with the wet, it looks like the weather's going to be nice this weekend. There'd be a huge crowd on hand at Lindsey Nelson Stadium for those games this weekend because both of them are night games Friday and Saturday. I think there's a six. Some of these, some of the stadiums in this league are full right now, aren't they? I think they're still I – know, I know Tennessee is still capping what they'll allow in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, and not, I don't think – they haven't been selling single-game tickets. But let's just say in a, in a normal world – I don't know when we'll go back to normal – There'd be a huge crowd at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this weekend because both games are at night on Friday and Saturday. Tennessee playing great baseball. And LSU, uh, always a big name. I don't know if they're quite as good this year, but a big series for Tennessee. All right, now the bad. I'll let you talk about the bad. <laughs> Thanks. Tennessee's basketball team uh, bounced in round one by Oregon State, a game where the, late, or the, where the Vols just <laughs> – they were never close. I mean, you know, John Fulkerson did not play Chris – it wouldn't have mattered. He could have played, and it would not have mattered. At some point, you've got to have a want to about you, and this team just felt like they wanted to go home. Like, they, it was an uninspired performance, um, you know, just shot it terribly. And, and I you know, feel like you really kind of got to feel, you know, the first five minutes when Victor Bailey and Santiago Vascovi missed several wide-open looks from three. Tennessee, uh, well, they won of nine to begin the game. I mean, they were they were atrocious uh, from the three-point line. And uh, a season that started with so much promise, predicted to win the S- the SEC. They finished fourth. Uh, they make it to the semifinals in the tournament and then get bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. It's no other way to uh, chalk up this year other than a disappointment for Tennessee's basketball team because, hey, at the end of the day, you've got a coach that's a top five coach as far as salary in, in college basketball. You had a ton of talent coming back, including uh, Fulkerson and Pons in the post and in those really good you know, freshman guards. 
and you did not live up to the expectations. Tennessee losing to Oregon State in the first round, seventy to fifty six. It was never close. You never had a feel. I never had a feeling that Tennessee was going to win the game. I mean, they cut it to what? I mean, once they got down by double digits, they may have got it to nine. They were down sixty two forty two, and then yeah. they, then they had a what a ten zero run got it to, to 10. make it to ten sixty two fifty two. Um, but uh, but the way they were shooting the basketball, you never really felt like they had a chance to win the game after that. Two things about that game that stick out. Tennessee with only 10 assists in the game, the entire game, and not a single field goal, not a single offensive field goal from a post player in the game. It's nada. I mean, you're never going to win against anybody, certainly not in postseason play, if you don't get any points from a post player. Well, they started Euros Plovsic, and – I thought he gave them some quality minutes over those first five or six minutes of the basketball game. But, you know, they decided to go small ball in the second half and, and went, you know, uh, Olivier Camois got a little bit of run. But for the most part, they went kind of small. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James did not play great. Um, really nobody played well, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, there was no – you couldn't look at it and go, man, if if you could have had more of, you know, of a performance like so-and-so had, you, there was nobody. Right. Like, it was just It was just a bad performance. And, again – we talked about this, you know, a week, a week ago. We talked about this at VolQuest. With the current, you know, bubble format at the NCAA tournament, you were going to find out who had good team chemistry, who wanted to be there. And that's not to say this team had bad team chemistry because I don't think that's the case, but I'm not sure they really wanted to be there, though, either. Well, it almost looked like a team. When I say fatigued, I don't mean physically. It just looked like a team that was um, – Ready for it to be over, over everything they had to go well, through. They, and I'm sure a lot of teams are like that at this point in the season and everything. But they lacked continuity. Yeah. And they had no they had no offensive philosophy. Or their philosophy early in the year and then middle of the year and then end of the year were three different philosophies. You know, middle of the year I thought they kinda just said, Okay, hey, we're gonna give it to Keon and Jaden and go. That's not necessarily the philosophy you saw the last you know, several games. And then early in the year, they were just kind of a defensive team that, you know, tried to run everything through Pons and Fulkerson. And then they made that switch to going through, uh, you know, Jaden and Keon. But I feel like they, they just never could figure out what they wanted to be. Yeah, they never, there was never any flow, of the, certainly in the half-court offensive. You know, you, uh, it's hard to figure out what they were trying to be in the half-court offensive. Right, right now they're a program with a ton of wings, ton of guards, but no necessarily point guard. They'll get that in, with Kennedy Chandler next year. And then not really great posts. I mean, like, you you look at what they have. They don't have a point guard. They don't have posts. Chandler will help that. Who all comes back? How much how much change do we see? Yeah. You know, most people expect Jaden Springer and Keon to definitely test the waters and likely end up going to the NFL dra- or I, the NBA draft. I think draft. they were gone from the day they stepped on camp. I don't disagree. Fulkerson, we'll see, though. I think he was gone when he exited the Fort Thompson Bowling Arena, but the way this thing ended, maybe that changes his thought process. to come back and – Pons, you know, he's not coming back. And then, you know, what else do they – who else do they kind of – I know, think you'll see him target some – they'll have to transfer market. Yeah, hard. correct. But, like, who are they going to be able to get? Like, what posts want to come here and play with a well, you got a great point, rising point guard, got a, Kennedy right, Chandler? you got a great point guard coming in. they got to find a shoot. you got to find – you watch the ball all day yesterday and today. Can, they don't have they don't have Lofton. You, you I mean, I think Lofton's a special guy. You got to I mean, have shooters, man. And they they had some guys that were streaky at times. But I'm talking about a guy that over a course of three or four games 
can stroke it. And you, guys that you call no-leave guys, you just cannot leave them because you know they're going to make it more times than not. We want to thank our friends at Mortgage Investors Group. The nation is presented across the state of Tennessee each week by Mortgage Investors Group, the number one lender in the state of Tennessee. You know, if you're planning to buy a home this year, you might be asking yourself, is it still a good time to buy? Uh, is it even possible? Well, rest assured that the real estate industry has not shut down. It's still possible to find, tour, finance, and even close on a home virtually anywhere. MIG is ready to help you get pre-qualified through a complete touch-free process. With the power of technology, MIG can help you with an end-to-end digital mortgage experience. Let Mortgage Investors Group's experts help you get started on the path to home ownership today. So go to MIG's website, MIGonline.com, to chat with a licensed loan officer and get moving today toward your home buying goals uh so to recap and we you know it's and i know tennessee fans were just nauseated watching that game it's hard not to be because it was a team that played hard and and defended played with a lot of energy most of the year um and and you look at bringing in each of the last two years five-star kids this year two of the highest rated kids that tennessee's ever brought in 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 springer and keon johnson and i think if you look at it you stand thirty thousand feet away ap and say all right those kids are going to be like flashes in the night. They were here. They're gone. Uh, you don't have anything to show for it. You know, you didn't win a game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and that's, I think, if you just look at it from a Tennessee basketball fan's perspective, that's hard to stomach. But I'll say this, and I told you this last week, and I think you agreed, I, haven't, I didn't see a lot from this team over the last three or four weeks that ever gave me a lot of confidence that they were going to make a run. And, and it almost seemed like when you heard Anlis – SEC network analysts, national analysts talking about this team. And there were some flashes from this team in Nashville in the SEC tournament. They played pretty well against Florida, beat Florida, um, played great first half against Alabama, and they just sort of collapsed in the last 10 minutes. So you saw that they were capable. But over the last three to four weeks of the season, as I watch this team play, they just never were consistent enough, certainly offensively, and, and never really seem to have any flow because you know in the NCAA tournament you're going to get into those grinded out half court type games and you got to be able to make shots you got to get some points inside in the paint you got to have some guys score inside you got to attack the glass and you got to make open threes and I didn't see enough of that from this team over the last three or four weeks to ever really have a feeling that they were going to make a run I was surprised I understand why they were seated five because they had the win over Colorado they had the win over Arkansas they had the win over um, uh, Missouri, the big one over Missouri, Kansas, but Kansas was the other one. But boy, if you just if you were if you woke up in a coma from a coma and watched this team play the last month of the season, where would you have seated them? Nine, <laughs> maybe nine, ten. I mean, if, if you didn't know what the seeds were for those two teams in the game, Oregon State and Tennessee, you'd have thought it was flopped. That Oregon State was a five seed and Tennessee was a twelve seed. So I just didn't see a whole lot from this team that well, I, I felt mean, like they could make a sustained run. And I get the the NBA drafts all off potential. Like I look at Keon, and, and you and you can see the potential there. I look at Jaden Springer, Chris, and you know he does some really good things well, but I don't think he does anything just spectacular. I think he I don't think he does anything poorly. You know, there, I don't think there's a necessarily a a negative to his game. You know, whereas like I would say like outside shooting would be a negative to Keon's game. You know, um, I think Springer does a little bit of everything well, but he doesn't do anything spectacular. So, like, the whole notion that he's a, you know, top for a first-round pick to me 
is a bit of a head scratcher. Like I think he could be best suited to come back for another year of college. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, he he would be he would be a better player. I think he would develop under Rick, but he's going to be a first round pick. Somebody's going to take him somewhere in the first round. He'll get guaranteed money. Um, I, I've never believed for one second that either one of those kids were from the first week they stepped on the floor. I never believed either one of them were going to play more than one year, uh, and I still don't. Keon will be a top ten pick. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. He's explosive. He's got to still get that shot. But you're right. The NBA, the NBA looks at Austin Price when he was in the, in the, in the 12th grade or the 11th grade playing golf. And they project. And, and saying, where's he going to be in three or four years from now? Yeah. You know, he was hitting the ball 280 yards off the tee as an 11th grader. He's going to be hitting the 370 yards off the tee in three or four years. Here's, Same, here's my question. Same, why, why does the NBA look at my golf game? <laughs> that, that's what trying I Trying to make an analogy. But that's what they do with Keon. He's got all the measurables, man. He's long. He's explosive. He can jump. He can he, defend. He can defend. He I can, think that's the biggest thing he's he got going He can guard any position. Keon can guard any position. I agree with you about Springer. He's got a few more holes in his game, but he can make tough twos. He's a tough kid. He also can defend. Um, but there are there are more things that I think if, if you looked at the two and said, all right, this kid could definitely – See, I think he has less holes in his game. I just think that he has – he does not have the top-end um, yeah, I mean, characteristics I, I mean that Keon does. I mean less holes as far as an NBA guy projecting yeah. and scouting him. You know, because they look at Keon, again, he's got the length, the size, the explosiveness. Uh, I'd be very – I'd be shocked, utterly shocked if Keon comes back. Uh, I would be pretty darn surprised if if, uh, if Jaden comes back. And I've, I've felt that – like that the whole season. You know what? I think Coach Barnes has felt like that from the day they walked on campus, too. They were going to be one and done. All right, let's take our first break here on The Nation. He's Austin Price. I'm Chris Lowe. We are at The Nation Studios here in Knoxville, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Well, we welcome you back into The Nation. It's just been another gorgeous Sunday afternoon here in East Tennessee. Here with my main, main man, Austin Price. Uh, we want to remind fans of this season to relax, enjoy, celebrate with the great refreshing beverages that support University of Tennessee Athletics. Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment that's made to chill. Twisted Tea, real brewed iced tea with a twist of lemon. Light and crisp, truly hard seltzer. And ice cold Dos Cerveza. Distributed across the Volunteer State by Cherokee Distributing. Remember to celebrate responsibly and 21 means 21. Uh, one thing, we're going to hit some football here in a minute, AP. One thing, going back to the basketball team, I was talking to some friends of mine, old people like me, who go back a long ways during Tennessee's NCAA tournament history, and I would suggest that you don't do a lot of reading on it because it's like a, it's like a gothic novel. It's horrible. They've been about it. Tennessee's been awful in the NCAA tournament. But uh, as I go back to every game they've ever played in the tournament, I think that game Friday was the most embarrassing slash disappointing maybe in school history with the only exception maybe being that 1999 debacle when they lost by 30 points to Southwest Missouri State in Charlotte. John Ward's last game calling a Tennessee event and uh, it was like 80, it was 80-something to 50-something. It was just brutal. Tennessee was a, a five seed. Southwest Missouri State was a 12 seed. I think Steve Alford was coaching that Southwest Missouri State team. That's the only other one that really comes to mind. Really disappointing loss the year they lost to Wichita State in Greensboro. The game after Lofton hit the game winner against Winthrop. Tennessee was a two seed that year, and it was laid out pretty well for them to, to make a run, and they lose to Wichita State. Uh, certainly not 
uh, is disappointing. They didn't play as poorly as t- this Tennessee team did, but that was a really disappointing loss. But those are the only two. And I don't really count the Bruce Pearl loss to Michigan where they lost by 30. That was his last game. Everybody knew it. He was on his way out. Um, but those are the only two that really, in my mind, rise to the level of, of embarrassing, disappointing, just um, just debacles like this one. All right, football. There's a uh, – as was reported this past week, there's been a brief pause in all football-related activities because of some positive tests among Tier 1 personnel, staff, and or student-athletes. What do you think – when do you think we'll get back uh, or they'll be able to, to sort of start back and get back into uh, some type of normalcy and get back to, you know, to started activities? Well, I mean, their hope is to start practice on Tuesday. Still, I mean, still, okay. That's why they had – you know, they were testing all weekend long to see – you know, if they're going to be able to do that. So the the good th- the good news is is this is spring practice and not you know fall during the, during the season where you've got games on Saturdays and you might potentially have to miss a game. Like right here, like if you can't start Tuesday, okay, you start Thursday. If you can't start Thursday, okay, you start Saturday, and you find a way to work in those two other practices somewhere along the way. I mean, right now, Tennessee basically will practice Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, except for the week of Easter, and then they'll practice Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then their their kids will be um, able to go and, and spend time with their families or whoever for Easter Sunday. So, you know, that's kind of where this thing is at. So if Tennessee needs to make up a day or two, they can do it. So uh, it, it, to me, it's, you know, much better to – get everything going and have everybody ready to go and start a day or two late than start, you know, shorthanded or, or any of that. Well, can you imagine this being last year and having this complete transition with new coaches, new coordinators, and having no spring practice like Tennessee, like, well, like everybody in college football had last year, you know, so at least there's going to be a spring practice. Oh, no doubt. Transition. I mean, I can imagine coming in, even last year, you know, coming in as a new head coach with new coordinators, new really knew everything. A lot of new players, you're probably going to have a new quarterback and having no spring practice to get ready. And and that's why as much as anything, just for, tenants, for this program to have a spring practice, and not just the quarterback, but to get your – you know, get your culture installed, your infrastructure defensively, offensively, um, to find out, you know, because the last thing you want to do as a new coach, yeah, you're going to watch some tape. You're going you're gonna to sort of figure out who who does what. Who, but you don't want to have to come in and really not even know and get into preseason practice before you have them on the field for a little bit. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, if you think about, like, just the way all this transpired a year ago with no spring and then, you know, new coaches like Lane Kiffin or, or Sam Pittman or Eli Drinkwitz, you know, going into, you know, fall camp, seeing their team realistically for the first time. Um, you know, this to me, this is, is big just to make sure you get everybody healthy, coaches, support staff, everything, get them cleared, and then start spring practice at that point. I, I wouldn't rush it to Tuesday. I mean, if, I mean let's, let, let, me, let me put it this way. If Tennessee's got a couple of people out that are – Support staff, sure start. But if you've got handful of players, handful of on the field coaches, you're not starting Tuesday. You start Thursday or Saturday or whenever. You think uh, any any update on who we may see, who we may not see out of spring practice? Any movement along those lines as far as guys that have left or might come back or thinking about leaving and now re- reconsidering anything like that? 
Well, I, I think, you know, the, everybody's watching to see if Henry comes back. A lot of smoke out there last week that, that he could be rolling in from California for the start of spring practice. Um, and so that's the one thing everybody's watching, you know, the next couple of days is, is does he arrive and, 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 you know, get ready to go through spring ball. If that happens, then, you know, that's a good sign for Tennessee and, and you know, makes me wonder, you know, did Alabama decide not to go on Henry and, you know, he felt like the best option was just to return here, ball out for a year, and then go to the league. Or maybe, you know, is that also a sign that, you know, Banks and Garner and those guys have really done a good job and and Coach Heupel selling a good job? Could be. Could yeah. be. I, here, the thing about that is, like, his dad has had such a huge say in, in all the decisions that have been made, um, mostly part of that Polynesian culture, that, uh, that you know, I, I just wonder, like, it, you know, to me, like, this isn't weird that you're going to show up the week of spring practice. You've missed all of winter workouts. That puts you in a weird spot, puts Josh Heupel in a weird spot, puts Henry in a weird spot with all of the players, you know, because, I mean, he's not been here doing all the, you know, team bonding, the winter workouts, all the stuff that this current group of players has been doing. So, you know, for me, like, this, the timing is weird. Yeah, and I get it. It's uh, and it, let's be honest. It's it, we're all coaches. Those of us in the media, teammates, we're all going to have to get used to this because this is the new world. You're going to see more and more of this. Players that are, you know, in the transfer portal, then they're out, then they maybe they, they're back and forth. Well, and players like Henry can yo-yo back and forth, and they're going to have a spot because they've got the, some leverage. They have some leverage. Right. Middle of the road guys are not going to have that. And, and what they might do, which is why you see so many kids still in the portal with no homes. Right, I was going to say they might they might go in the portal and realize that they've got nowhere to go, and no one's going to take them. See, that's the side of this that people don't talk about enough. There's going to be a lot of kids that get disenchanted for whatever reason and say, you know what, I'm going to transfer because of this or that, and get in that portal and realize there's no takers, and they're probably better off, you know, where they were before. Then. Uh, I mean, I understand the option if uh, if a kid is just not happy, if he, need, if he needs to get back closer to home for whatever reason, uh, if the system changes, the coaches change, and it's not as conducive to what you do or can do, and you want to go somewhere else and you think that's better for you, then I understand that option. It, that's where we are now in college sports. Well, just like you're going to see a huge wave after spring practice, Chris. I mean, that, that's going to be the wave. The wave's going to be – after the season, so the month of January, and then after spring ball, so the month of May. The month of May, you'll see a ton of kids going into the portal, changing teams, because they're going to go through spring ball wherever they're at, and then decide, eh, not the place for me. Uh, we're going to take our second break here. Looks like the Lady Vols will play Michigan. That's right. In the second round. Again, the Lady Vols winning big today after being tied at the half over Middle Tennessee State. And while we're on basketball, what about the fighting sister jeans? Loyola Chicago. 101-year-old sister jean there cheering on Loyola Chicago, knocking off the number one seed of Illinois. You think that's a big deal for those kids? Well, like you look at it like Loyola Chicago knocks off Illinois. Same <laughs> state. Abilene Christian knocks off Texas. Right. Same, like You talk about some real – that that sticks in the crawl of Illinois and Texas and – I mean, it makes that those all those those alums going to work on Monday oh, makes man. it harder on them, and that's what makes the NCAA tournament the spectacle that it is, and it what is what honestly separates it from college football. I'm not saying it's better or it's just different. 
that's the magic of the NCAA basketball tournament because you have those opportunities for the little guy to knock off the big guy. And, A, you're never going to get 16 or 30 teams in an NCAA playoff. But, the, you know, how realistic is it that Liberty or would knock off Ohio State, you know? That, that it just it's not as realistic in football as it would be in basketball, which again makes basketball term the spectacle that it is. All right, let's take our second break here on the nation. We'll be back here from the nation studios in Knoxville in just a couple minutes. All right, welcome back into the nation. Chris Lowe, Austin Price with the nation studios here in Knoxville. Appreciate you listening across the great state of Tennessee. We're going to go to the phone lines for a very, very special guest. Big weekend for the Tennessee baseball team as they're actually on their way back now from Athens, Georgia, after winning the series today with a 4-1 victory over Georgia. Coach Tony Vitello. Tony, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm, I'm anxious to get back across state lines into the great state of Tennessee. Hopefully the uh, mountains cooperate here. Uh, the coaches all kind of spread out and drive because of this COVID mess. So, uh, again, hopefully the reception works, but it's great to talk with you. Well, we hear you loud and clear now, and we appreciate you spending some time with us. I uh, Congratulations in order to you as you earn your 100th career win on Friday, your 101st today. But I would say, knowing you, more important than that is you guys open the SEC season with a series win. And you've probably already been told this, Tony, it's Tennessee's first opening SEC series win since 2014. <laughs> I was not. I, you made my day telling me that. That's good to hear. And, uh, you know, one of those reasons is for – for uh, the life of me, I don't know why we go on the road every year. There's been no balance. Even Coach Serrano's last couple of years, they were on the road. So it, it is more challenging on the road in our league, even with a limited amount of fans. They had a semi-full park today, and our guys had their work cut out for them all three days. But they were relentless, including, you know, after a tough loss yesterday. <coughs> Coach Fatello, it's Austin. You guys almost had the sweep, so close. But do you feel like that was a good kind of attention getter for this team? Because you guys have been playing such good baseball. To have that one right in your grasp and have it slip away last last night, do you feel like that was an attention getter heading into today's rubber match? Well, Austin, here's here's a deal I, I shouted at the team, and I think uh, it holds true. I mean, and, and we mentioned Family Guy, the show, because Stewie Griffin's always traveling back in time. And uh, if you could travel back in time, you'd love to change a couple things about that ninth inning. But then that means everything else would have changed as well. So who knows if today would have worked out the way it did. I think what it did is it taught us a lesson and at the same time set up a signature win for this club. You know, potentially at the end of the year, we look back on this thing and said, learning to win a series on the road was huge for us. Uh, and again, that may have not gone down that way if, if yesterday goes the way Vol fans want, but you know, when you're on the road, it's tough to finish a team off. That's why you got to just treat every inning like they're the same. And I think our guys got a little too juiced up in that ninth inning, and we made a couple uncharacteristic mistakes. But your point is proven well, I think. It'll be a good lesson regardless. Is anybody hitting the ball as well as Drew Gilbert? No. I mean, gosh dang, he had a right at everybody on Friday. And then yesterday, some tough luck at bats as well. And then today, I mean – three at-bats in a row to start the game with lasers and then just kind of a get-it-done at-bat at the end of the game. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Connor Pavoloni's effort. The guy was playing on essentially one leg. We have uh, Jackson Greer, our number two catcher, was banged up this weekend. He couldn't play. Durkay's in the DH slot. 
and then Pav injures his leg on a foul ball, and he just gutted it through, and he scored on that Gilbert, you know, again, kind of a get-it-done sack fly at bat there in the in the ninth inning, which was huge. Tony, it's Chris again. I, I'm glad you brought up Pav. Is there any way that he didn't get hit with a baseball today? He got hit sliding in the home plate. <laughs> He got hit, I think he got first base on a hit batsman, and I'm sure he got hit about ten times stopping balls behind the plate. But his toughness, and I'm sure I'm joking, but his toughness in my mind epitomizes your baseball team. Yeah, no doubt. And, and everybody loves Pab because he's such a serious worker and a good kid. I mean, to the core, he's just a great kid. But I'm going to play devil's advocate and, and say there were any Vol fans or even coaches you know, that were frustrated with Pav's early season performance because he was trying too hard at the plate. Anybody would tell you that, including himself. You, you can put any of that front-runnerism to the back of the bus because what he did today, just for Tennessee athletics in general, was one of the guttiest, grittiest performances um, that, that we've had from anyone on our campus in, in quite a while. So hopefully people remember that, and I know it meant a lot to his team and they, they were making all kinds of jokes in the dugout to keep things light, but I think everyone was in awe of how well of uh, how good of a performance he put in, again, on basically one leg. Tony, if you're going to win any SEC series, you've got to have the right mix. You've got to hit timely hitting. You've got to pitch. You've got to play defense. I think that your game today, Luke's play at first base, which really sort of changed the complexion of the game, just terrific play over there at first base. You've got a great performance from Tidwell getting into the eighth inning, and then, as Austin pointed out a minute ago, you guys got hits when you needed to. But that kind of mix as you go forward, because it never gets any easier in the SEC, is a must, is it not? It, it truly is. And, I mean, the, the big picture was Blade taking ownership of that game and being so good. And I, I think maybe Luke makes that play because he's got Blade's back. You know, he sees this kid, again, taking ownership of the game and pitching his butt off. Uh, maybe you're quicker on your first step or you, you dive a little further or whatever it might be to make a play. Uh, but, again, you, you're right on. You just got to win ugly. I mean, most SEC series, for whatever reason, there's two games that come down to the final hitter. And today, you know, they needed one more base runner for that to truly happen. But, you know, at least two of the games are probably going to come down to the, to the last hitter. And then there might be one that, that is a little bit more separate than that. But it, you'll take it however you can get it. Win ugly, uh, bunt a guy over, not hit all day, but get a big hit in the ninth, whatever it might be. Chris brought this up earlier, and, and uh, you said you didn't know. I mean, to, to, to think about it, seven years, seven since, I mean, I didn't even, ha- my, my daughter was, you know, like not even a year old when this last happened. She's about to be turned eight since Tennessee won a Friday SEC game. Yeah. How, how, how's that even possible? And then, two, like, what's that say as you guys continue to build? I mean, you look on our site all the time, and I don't know how many threads get started on the general's quarters about Danny White needs to lock up Tony Vitello for the job you're doing. <laughs> To see where this this program continues to go, continues to build. And I know we hit the kind of that that wall last year with COVID and the season got shut down, but you guys were building then, and to pick up right where you left off this year. What's it say about this program and kind of the the culture change that not only you but your assistants and the kids that have come in here have bought in to continue to uh, see this thing kind of prosper? No, I mean. 
Seven years is a long time. I think my maturity level is still just as low as it was seven years ago. But uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, I think it, it's very believable that it could happen where you got a string of, of bad weekends in our league because if you believe something, it's probably going to hold true in sports, especially in a, a game as mental as baseball. And I think a lot of our guys thought we were inferior for some reason. And I think some of the guys that Coach Serrano had out on the field for whatever reason, had that mindset. I mean, they would openly admit that. And it's a very difficult thing to change. But when it flips and you do believe you're capable of anything, then I think it's just as likely you could put a string that's the exact opposite of that together. Tony, I know it's so important to play every game one at a time. But in the SEC, when you start getting into series, in Austin, you mentioned your maturity. What about the maturity of your ball club? to be able to do that now going forward and just play every game, every series uh, as what's right in front of you and not get caught up in what's coming down the pipe. Well, I think here's, here's what's big is Tuesday, an emotional walk-off win, uh, kind of a lot of hooting and hollering, all business the next day. And then on Friday, if there was any carryover, it was positive momentum. And then I'll take it a step further. We go into the outfield, and maybe it's because guys are gassed out because they gave it their all this weekend, but they basically just acted like they won a game. I think they were just as fired up on Friday, if not more, to get that Friday win. And really, again, I want them to enjoy the win and be happy, and I certainly was acting my goofy self, but they didn't act like they just did something that hasn't been done in seven years or anything like that. It was – we, we did what we came to do, and uh, we're certainly happy about it, and it's going to make the bus ride home a lot better. But I, I kind of sensed a, a little bit of maturity just there. So those are two really good signs. Well, we really appreciate you joining us tonight, Tony, and uh, you guys travel safe back. And I tell you, one game, I'm going to watch you guys play one game where you don't have your arms folded. You look uh, that, <laughs> That's you, man. It, it's, if, if I know it, it's you without seeing your number because you've got those arms folded over there in the dugout. That that is me trying to put a straight jacket on myself with my two arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen seriously, you guys travel safe, and we look forward to uh, catching up with you down the road. You got Eastern Kentucky on Tuesday, and then LSU comes in. I was telling Austin before we brought you on, boy, I wish that, that you had full capacity because with the the weather forecast, the Friday and Saturday games both being six o'clock, and the way your kids are playing. Uh, it'd be great to see Lindsey Nelson packed to the rafters, but I'd still say you're going to get a good crowd out there as much as you guys can possibly get in to Lindsey Nelson this weekend. The ones that have been out there have been great, and there's even people finding little spots, nooks and crannies, where they can watch outside the stadium. And we've also been increasing a little bit as the numbers trend in the right direction. So I'm hopeful for that. But the ones that have been there have been rowdy. They've been ball fans true and true. So we appreciate those people, but also you guys for having us on and Everybody supporting us. Great. Tony, thanks again, man. We'll take, we'll catch up with you soon, okay? You bet, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, All right. Coach. That's Tony Vitello, head baseball coach for the Tennessee Volunteers. Vols fresh off a series win at Georgia, the first opening SEC series win for Tennessee since 2014. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Nation, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. You're still in your 40s then. <laughs> 
All right, welcome back in the final segment on the nation. We are, thanks to Tony Vitello, Tennessee's head baseball coach, joining us in the last segment. The Vols making their way back to Knoxville from Athens, and you heard him. It sounds like they were right near the border, AP, the Georgia-Tennessee border. He said he was ready to get back into the great state of Tennessee. He's ready to get back to God's country. The only thing that comes out of Georgia that's good is the Masters. Oh, you said which that. Which is just a few weeks away. You said that, not me. Tennessee winning their series over Georgia, the first one SEC series. They play LSU at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this uh, coming week. The Vols 17-4. and four. Uh, Tony Vitello earning his 100th career win, the fastest ever to 100 at Tennessee. I'm going to ask you the best question you get every week. It's the Marathon Question of the Week. Stop by your friendly neighborhood marathon station today. You'll discover how a full tank of freedom means that no matter what you're up for, they'll take you wherever you go. Marathon fueling the American spirit. You asked Coach Vitello in the last segment or mentioned that you get a lot of comments on your site on VolQuest, on radio, about doing what fans doing. Hey, we we got to do what we need to do to lock up Vitello. What does Tennessee need to do to do that? What do you think is most important to keep Tony Vitello at Tennessee and not letting anybody else, giving someone else an opening to come in here and, and steal him away? Well, I think financially it's not to insult him. That don't mean you got to throw a, a billion dollars at the guy. I think it's just don't insult the guy for the job he's done. Number two, it is make Lindsey Nelson a much better facility. Right now, it's not very good. It's not been very good. Now, they've done a few things, turf and a few other things over there. But on the whole, when you look at around the conference, it's nowhere close to some of the other better venues in the conference. So make that place a really nice park again. I mean, it just it just needs a it needs it needs more than a fresh coat of paint too. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's something they're going to have to you know bring some people in, bring some engineers in, come up with some some renderings, figure out what they want to do to make it different, make it a more special venue. Um, but I think you've got to do some different stuff when it comes to the venue. And you know, I think more than anything, it's you know you look at where Tennessee baseball has been the last fifteen years leading up to when Vitello really started to get going to make the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. You really need to you really need to show this guy a lot of respect and bring some money to the table and do it from a facility standpoint as well because you don't want to lose him. Those other good programs are going to come in here and they're going to try to, you know, take him away from you. And that's just a fact. That's coming sooner rather than later. And I think it probably already has, to be honest with you. I think he probably already gotten some. I think he's a loyal guy because you gave him his shot, but I think loyalty is only to a certain extent when when it comes to, I've got to do what's best for me. You know, and like if what's best for me is a nice raise in Knoxville, facility upgrades at Tennessee, great. But like, you know, if Tennessee's sitting there offering apples to oranges from a baseball standpoint, you, you can't fault the guy. So if Tennessee, again, needs to, to, to figure out a way, and if this is going to be on Danny White, you know, I mean, this was a John Curry hire. Curry was here for a fleeting minute, and, uh, you know, this is what he left Tennessee, more so than the football stuff, than the, the nonsense with Shiano and all that, is Tony Vitello getting a competent baseball coach in here that has turned and flipped the culture to a point where Tennessee baseball, you watch them on, on the weekend, and Tennessee fans are really excited. I like that, you know, when his teams play, and he mentioned he touched on this today, they very much play to his personality. You know, Tony was a walk-on player at Missouri. He was a volunteer assistant at Missouri. That's where he got his start, you know, in the collegiate ranks coaching. So very hungry, and he remained hungry. I think he coaches 
a little bit with a chip on his shoulder, and that's the way his teams play. And I think that's the thing about him, as you just mentioned, Tennessee gave him his shot as head coach. Which means he's going to continue to have a chip on his shoulder if you if you slide him. Like Again, to me, he's not a guy that, that you know commands a ton of money, but you can't insult the guy. The worst thing you can do is insult – Someone and and right now, if you bring the adequate raise to him, bring adequate money to his staff, and then do different upgrades to to, to Lindsey Nelson, I think Tony Vitale will, will be Tennessee's yeah. coach for a long time to come. I really believe that. I think he's loyal, but loyalty again only goes so far. Invest in the program, and that's what all coaches want. They want to feel like they can win at the highest level, whether it's. You know, again, you're right about the salary, but player amenities and facilities. Yeah, I mean, like when when you bring recruits in here, right? When you bring recruits in here, and then they go to Vanderbilt or Ole Miss or LSU or Texas A&M or wherever, and they go, man, Tennessee was like it was like you know, it's like going to a new ballpark versus Wrigley, right? You know, and I mean, even Wrigley in the clubhouse has got a whole new different look yeah. to it now than it did years ago. Yeah. Like they've, they've started. They've started. The, the, you, you mentioned the artificial turf. That was a big step, but there's more along those lines that they need to do. But I, I do think that you're right, that he's loyal. He sees what they can be here, what they can be. They've just got to continue to to invest and reinvest in the baseball program. Well, here's the other thing you, you got to think about. He's building here. Where if he goes to one of these baseball tradition-rich schools, Chris, the expectations – are going to be through the roof, and he, you know, whatever he does here is something that's not been done. Think about it. he won a Friday game in SEC play for the first time in seven years. Like you know, I mean, like the expectation level here is low. He's already so, taken him to the tournament. So he for the continues first time. to jump over, and he continues to raise the bar. The bar is already high when you go to one of those blue bloods in college baseball, Coaches and, and, like and that build. changes. Yeah, you like to build. I like the tartar. Which is why I said, don't insult him. Right. And, and take care of it. Much harder to, to sustain than it is to build, and clearly he's done a good job of that. So congrats to Tony Vitello and the Tennessee baseball team for winning the weekend series against Georgia. Congrats to Kelly Harper as her Lady Vols advance to the second round with a win today over Middle Tennessee State in the NCAA tournament. The Lady Vols will play Tuesday. in the second round Tuesday against Michigan. Michigan, as they say up in Michigan. Austin Price, we it's thank you. School up north. <laughs> All right, Urban. We thank you, Austin Price. Thanks to Jay Leifer. Thanks to Tony Vitello for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday right here on The Nation.